catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. In Nigeria, you often hear phrases like Who school help? After school, what next? Why am I even studying this course? I just want to get a degree. It's not like I'm going to use it for anything. And the list goes on. The glamorization of paper and degree certifications because of the thought that we will soon get to that point where machines will be the major labor force and humans will be managers. That's made it difficult to pay attention to technical, vocational education and training TVET. Every parent and child wants the glamour and attention of graduating with a university degree. It is so bad that when you mention that you attended a technical college, you're looked upon with disdain like you couldn't make the cut so you had to settle for less. We forget that as one invests in formal education and training, one also invests in technical vocational education and training because every civilization stands on both pillars. According to UNESCO and the ILO, Technical and Vocational Educational Training, TVET, refers to aspects of the educational process involving, in addition to, of course, general education, the study of technologies and related sciences and the acquisition of practical skills, attitudes, understanding and knowledge relating to occupants in various sectors of economic and social life. We recently spoke to the CEO and founder of iCreate Africa, who organizes the iCreate Skills Fest, Africa's largest skills competition, exhibition and job fair, focused on promoting and highlighting opportunities in technical, vocational and education training, Bright Jaja. We discussed the idea of TVET, why Nigeria needs TVET now, and how iCreate Africa is committing to this dream. The conference itself is hinged on the idea of education. Education is the bedrock of every civilization that man has ever formed or built, from the Stone Age to the Digital Age. And then we've also had different kinds of educational structure. Formal, is it informal, is it non-formal? What is TVET first? How does TVET fit into the educational structure? What's the place of TVET? I would like to take you back to the beginning. And the, the first, the beginning is definitions. What is the definition of education in the first place? Like, what is education, right? Everything that we experience, everything that we do, ideas and structures built by men, and everything that we experience and we use is this thing that they built was built by what they have experienced. So basically the knowledge um, from what they have seen and experienced, they use that to create what they thought was best for society, right? And it passed on from one generation to another generation, to another generation, to another generation. Here we go, we're here now. And one of the most critical and the most disadvantageous thing about that is the stamp of, oh, this is how it's been done. This is what it is. This is what it should be. And, oh, our forefathers did it this way, so it should be that way. One thing we're not putting into consideration is that as time change, everything is supposed to change with time. Seasons, um, everything changes with time. But one thing that has remained the same is the educational system, which is ridiculous. The cars that we drove in, in, the, 70, in the 1780s, 
and the cars that we drive now, you can't even see the similarity. Like there's no similarity with the cars that was driven back then and the cars that are driven now. Same thing with the houses that we do, that we lived in back then. Even the way we talk, even the way our tones and our accent back then and now is totally different. I was watching an interview of like back in the days when they during the civil war and the, you know, all the different coup that was made. And you, I could hear them talk. They all had the same kind of, like Nigerians had a, a similar kind of uh, like accent that they had that was just a little bit weird, right? I'm like, why do they talk like this? But everything has changed. But when you look at the classroom from the 17s or the 16s or whatever, like 100 years ago or 200 years ago, you look at the classroom then and you look at the classroom now, it's almost possible that you won't see any difference. Like it's literally the same. Probably the only difference is the colored picture and the black and white picture. That's the difference. So my point uh, to that is education has always been the same. Education has not been innovated. And education has not, has not been restructured, reviewed. It's just always been the same way, which is sit down, go through a curriculum, get information, and move, right? But the key thing about education, education is supposed to be from inside out. Education is supposed to be awakening thoughts and ideas that is already built in within and turning those ideas and those thoughts into products and services turning those ideas and thoughts into tools to make communities and society better. That is what education is supposed to do. It's the act of informing yourself to activate an internal ability or awaken an internal ability that's already imbued and then turn that ability into skills and turn the skills into products, services, and solutions. Basically, that's what education is supposed to do. Now, the different kinds of education, I mean, like I said, it goes back to the structures that were created down there. So there's formal education, there's informal education, and there is technical education, there is administrative education, and they did a different side and different parts to it. But back in the days, one of the most important part of education was a technical education because it had to do with building things. What is society without roads, bridges, hospitals, schools, churches, mosques, cars? clothes, everything. What society without all of these things that I mentioned? Nothing. Society is nothing without these things, right? But these things, people that make these things back in the days were had to go through the technical system where they actually acquired the technical skills to be able to produce these things. So technical education back in the days was a priority over a university degree. And then it started, you know, the focus started changing to you know, a more sophisticated system when we move from one industrial era to another, from for the first industrial revolution to the second to the third, we discovered that people started focusing more on informative education than technical education. We discovered that we didn't need some of these technical people anymore because we've been able to produce automate a couple of things. So everybody's like, oh, I need to acquire information so I can run a managerial or an, or an administrative position. And that's where, you know, universities started becoming more priority than technical education. But yeah, I hope I've never answered your question. I've said a lot of things, but the idea is technical education is a key factor when it comes to educational system because it builds the people that builds our society. Interesting. So TVET, Technical Vocational Educational Training, what is its place currently in the scheme of things when we talk about education? It's way below. It's, it's been uh, neglected. 
if you go to our technical colleges right now, it's not a place that you want to take your kids to. Um, it's been it's just been put behind the scene, um, and that's the problem that we are all facing. Uh, so right now, it's not in a good place. Our country, our leaders have prioritized more, not just our leaders, our parents, everybody have prioritized more on getting a degree on university and they have invested more into universities than they have done in, you know, in technical education. And now you can see that that is a problem. You know, 10 years, 15 years now, you see that a lot of people that have come out of these universities don't have jobs, but almost 70% of the people that came out of technical colleges, they all have jobs. All of them have jobs. In fact, there are too much. There are too many jobs. They can't even fit, fit, you know, fit or fill in the jobs, the job positions. But people that went to universities, you know, when Central Bank has like a calling, you find that that five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand people are showing up for for, for for two positions. But when you find when when a construction company calls for workers or for artisans, you find that probably like fifty or twenty will show up because they're they not a lot, and this company probably wants to fill two hundred positions, right? So. It's already affecting our, our reality, and that's the reason why a lot of young people are unemployed. So right now, it's not in a good place, and the only way we can get young people to become employed and become useful to our society is when we prioritize technical education and skills training. Now, the talk about you know unemployment and underemployment just takes me back to the famous Ngozi Okonjo when she once said concerning education in Africa that we're not creating the kind of skills or educating for the kind of skills that we need and that we need to learn to educate better. How urgently does Nigeria need TVET, technical vocational and educational training, considering the level of unemployment, underemployment, and poverty in the country? It's pretty urgent. Like you, I think you answered the question. It's like, it's urgent that we do that because, like you said, there's already, there's already a huge unemployment. When you, when you look at it, when you, when you run your country like a business, like if, if you run a business and you try something for two years and it's not working, what would you do? You change it, right? You restructure it, and you see how you can make it better. And try different ways. Try different ways for things to work. If we've been doing this for the past how many years, sixty years, and we've seen the outcome, and we've seen that there's not enough jobs for people that have gone through university, but there are more than enough jobs for people who have gone through technical colleges. Why wouldn't you switch and invest more in the technical colleges so, and encourage more young people to go into this, in, into trades, right? Do you know that seven out of ten jobs does not require a four-year degree? This is a global statistic. Seven out of 10 jobs doesn't require a four-year degree. And then you find out that just, you know, 40% or I, I don't even know how to put it, but just just few percentage, you know, of job openings are, you know, are available for people that have gone through universities, but you invest more in the people that are go through that go through universities than the people who are supposed to take those, those seven jobs, which is probably like 70%, which doesn't make any sense. And it's not just a Nigeria thing. It's a global thing. And one of the countries that have tapped into that and understand and, re and restructured their system, one of them is China. China understands that. China invests more in technical education than their universities because they want to be a producing nation. And that's the reason why they're producing, you know, producing uh, a country of, of the world. They produce for everybody. Same thing with India. India understood that early and invested in technology, invested in skills. And that's the reason why they have some of the most skilled people in the world. So, yes, it's not just, not just a conversation. It is... It's taking time, Bob. It's an emergency that we refocus our, our structure to prioritize technical and vocational skills trade um, and increase the funding for technical colleges, uh, especially when it comes to perception, changing that negative perception, which is one thing that we're doing with, uh, with on the I Create Africa and getting more young people interested to take advantage of the opportunities in trades. Now, you're organizing 
the largest skills fest in the construction industry on the continent. Um, tell us a bit about the iCreate event, which is happening in the month of April 2022, and its contribution to Nigeria's big dreams for TVET. Uh, yeah, thank you. I think it's, I mean, one of the, when we started iCreate Africa, the goal was to change the negative societal perception of technical vocational skill trade, rebrand, reposition, highlight the opportunities, encourage more young people to get skilled. That was our priority. And it was not just for construction. We started with everything skills. Also, we believe that the entire technical and vocational se sector and the entire trade sector needed an overhaul, needed more people. And also there were a lot of young people that are unemployed. And the only way we could solve that unemployment problem is to get them to see the opportunities in trade and make them feel comfortable enough to be able to acquire skills. And but one thing we also discovered is that there's a lot of informalities when it comes to trades, trades employment structure. There's a lot of job inconsistencies. There's lack of contracts. There's uh, there's just a lot, a lot of informalities. And so the way these artisans have been treated, or the way these artisans have been paid, or you know the way they gain their employment, sometimes they go a whole year without doing any work because they don't know people, or they don't have access to the labor market, and all of that. They're not educated. Most of them are not educated. Um, they don't understand branding, marketing. They don't understand a lot of things. You know, so it's kind of discouraging for other young people to want to go into something that is not structured. And so that's where we came in to do two things. First, we want to change the societal perception, highlight the opportunities in trade, get people to see the values. And, and the role that they can play um, in the industry. And then the second thing for us was to formalize the informal structure using technology. So we started with the skills first, which was to change the perception. We did that for about two years. We had about four competitions across Nigeria. Um, and then once we were done with that, we started building the technological infrastructure for the formalization of the employment structure in construction. So we tried to focus on just construction because one, one thing we discovered is we couldn't do everything at the same time. We needed to focus and then build a momentum around one industry. And once we're able to achieve that, we can jump into another industry. So we started to focus on construction. And so this edition of the Skills Fest is just focused on highlighting the different construction trades, um, showcasing the skills and rebranding, repositioning, um, bringing all the stakeholders within the space to come and support the technical and vocational system, um, create training opportunities, create training structures. And we've been able to achieve that with the Skillers platform, which we created. And we're going to be launching the Skillers platform during the event where we'll be onboarding a lot of uh, artisans who you know, uh, by any means don't have access to the labor market because of their location, because of their lack of uh, understanding when it comes to technology and marketing. Um, we will onboard them and we'll do all of that for them. We'll also be onboarding companies, organizations in construction who would need their services uh, also on the platform. And, you know, once that is done, the matching just, just starts happening automatically. But yeah, it's going to be an amazing event. It's on the 4th to 6th of April at the International Conference Center. It's, it's been something that, you know, has been taking a lot of my time. Um, but we're excited about it and we believe that it's going to be a huge success and it's going to be the beginning of redirecting the young people's focus from a four-year degree, acquiring a four-year degree, or just sitting at home with you for a nine-to-five job to just waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate the next two years or the next one year to acquire one of the most amazing skills that is needed. And I'm going to just, you know, divert my focus and build a career around it. Yeah, I got interested when you talked about formalizing the informal sector through technology. Tell us more about how you intend to use technology to formalize, for example, the construction industry. Um, you mentioned the Skillers platform. Tell us a little bit more about the Skillers platform too. What does it offer? And do you have a long-term plan? Uh, yes, of course, it is a long-term plan. 
basically what we're trying to do, like I said, is to solve the problem from both ends, um, which is one, changing perception, second, formalizing the infrastructure using technology. Now we have the Scalers platform. What the Scalers platform does is it's simple. It's not like there's some kind of genius behind it. It's a recruitment platform for artisans in the construction sector. It's that simple. Basically, what we've done is we've created um, a technological system that displays their profile, their skills level, the job that they've done in the past, records, um, reviews, um, client um, rating, and all of that. It's all represented. And then also there's another part for the client, which they can also use, they have a dashboard where they can post jobs, they can they can monitor the progress of, of their project, um, they can make payments, and they can also you know give um, reviews on every accent that they've worked with. And what this has done is to create accountability and credibility. You get to know that you know everybody that's on the platform is people are people that have been that have gone through a vetting process, and they can be trustworthy. But apart from that, even if something goes wrong, you can you can you can hold the platform accountable. And also from the side of the artisans, you can literally get jobs at all time. You don't have to wait, do one job and then wait for another six months till somebody recommend you to get a job. But now everybody, the platform is recommending you to a large audience and then all you have to do is to be available to get a job done. So you can literally work back to back. As I speak to you right now, our platform, before we even launch the platform, it's going to a point where if we onboard you on the platform, in 48 hours, you'll be matched to a job because we literally have jobs on jobs on jobs. We, we have a, a 500 unit housing that we're doing tiling electrical installation, welding and fabrication, and POP installation. And we need about 4,000 people to do, the, to do that job. We don't even have up to 4,000 people on the platform as I speak to you. And we have just, that's just one out of like a lot of other, you know, jobs that have been posted on the platform even before we launched. So this is a major solution that we're trying to create that is already functional. You know, every transaction, there's a contract that's developed directly from the platform um, that holds the clients accountable and that holds the assets accountable and everybody gets to do what they have to do, play their roles. Everybody, you know, the, the client get pays for the job that is being done and everybody's happy. So we've made uh, the access to getting credible artisans um, easy and accessible. And we've also made it easy for artisans to get easy access to the labor market and get jobs. That's what the platform does. Now, when it comes to sustainability, like I said, I create Africa is not a construction company or it's not a construction platform. It's a skills development and, and employment platform. And it cuts across all industries. And so for our long-term goal, what we want to do with that is we want to build multiple job platforms across the various and technical trade industry. So starting with construction, once we're done with this, we've been able to automate it and it's working and, and everything is perfect. We will move into another another industry, maybe automobile technology, where you can easily get vetted mechanics um, and electrician for any kind of car repair. And then we can move to fashion where you can you can get tailors and designers and 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 whatever and trade is within that sector. And then we can move to agriculture. Like we want to literally build a huge technological system that literally automates and makes it easy for customers or clients or employers to assess skilled labor or skilled people, skilled, skilled professionals. And we also want to make it easy for the skilled professionals because most of them are uneducated and, and they don't understand how to project or position themselves to get jobs. We want to make it easy for them to also access the labor market and get jobs. So it's going to cut across every industry as we go forward. We are giving skillers.ng, uh, which is for construction, about two years to build out the structure completely and have it automated and scaled across different locations across Africa. And then we jump into another industry and do the same thing. Oh, that sounds like a long and broad plan, I would say, which cuts across 
different sectors. Now, if someone wants to get on this Scalas platform, how do they get on it? Is there a process they have to go through? What do they bear in mind? First, you know, you have to sign up. Uh, when you sign up, we made, we, made this, we made signing up very easy because a lot of people don't even know how to use technology to go through the form and fill the form and all of that. We've had situations like that. So what we've done with that is you can just sign up by just sending us your name, your phone number and your trade. And then we call you and then we bring you into the office where we do a couple of background checks and once you're, once you're all checked in, we now train you for about two weeks on soft skills, soft and digital skills. And once you are trained to that level, we onboard you on the platform. And once you're on the platform, you start getting jobs. Uh, so it's that simple. So for people who can't go to, go to the platform and fill the form, if you can go to the platform and fill the form, there are a couple of questions we're going to ask you. So if you can fill the form, you don't have to come to our office. Through the form, we can get all the information we need to know your skills level, to know your abilities, and uh, we follow up. We follow up with a call, and then once you're approved, you come for a training. Once you're done with your training, you get onboarded and you get matched with jobs. It's that easy. For clients, they just need to go and uh, create a profile. They can either create a profile and then post the job directly through their dashboard, or they can just call us and say, oh, I need this. And we can post it on your behalf and connect you to the artisan that you need to get the job done. So pretty easy. Okay. The final one on the Scalers platform would be, will the skilled persons have to make any payments whatsoever for the whole process? There is an onboarding payment and there is a training payment. But what we've done is we've kind of made it easy for them because they might not have money to pay. So what we've done is we've covered the cost for their onboarding process and everything. And then when they start making money, we deduct it from their profits um, until they're able to pay completely. So we give them like a human capital loan where we train you for free, which not for free, but like for for credit, which we train you on credit. And then when we give you a job and you get the job done, or we connect you to a client, we start deducting your fee, your training fee to your down paying. Okay, that's really interesting. Now, let's talk about the private and public sector involvement in what you're doing, the provision, the training, delivery and management of skilled persons across Nigeria. How involved are the private and the public stakeholders in the work that you're doing? Oh, the private sector has been very graciously amazing to us. Um, They have supported everything that we've been doing, especially we have like three key partners that have been with us from the very beginning and they're still with us still now. It's not been easy for a lot of them to understand and and come on board because we have a a very profit-driven private sector system. Nigerians are always profit-driven, so it's hard to find people who think long-term or who think national development. They just think of themselves, their companies, and they just want to make money. And so if if it doesn't make money for them, they don't see the value of what what it is. They don't understand that, okay, uh, creating supporting any in, an initiative that promotes employment and and promotes youth empowerment is good for your business indirectly and directly in a sense that if there is employment for young people, young people have work to do, they start becoming a nuisance to the society, it reduces insecurity, your business gets a boom. It's simple. But nobody see things like that. It's more like, oh, how much money am I going to make from this? What is this? So the private sector has really um, not, I mean, we've, like I said, we have about three organizations and, and out of that three organization, only one is, is a Nigerian organization, which is Sterling Bank. The other two are Germans, German organizations. So I would say, I wouldn't generally say the private sector is not forthcoming because Sterling Bank is a private sector. But generally, we found it difficult to be able to get the private sector to understand the value of what we're trying to do. And, and with the way the country is, you know, everything is expensive. People are not making profit now. So it's hard to, like, to get them to say, oh, okay. 
do this or do that or support this or support that. So, and that's the reason why we believe so much on our platform, because what we're now doing for them is not saying, oh, we, want, we have this event, we want you to come and sponsor. We're just saying, oh, we have your solution. We have the artisans that you're looking for to get your job done. We've made it easy for you. We've made it more affordable for you. So you can use our platform and, you know, you can solve your problem with our platform. So in that case, yes, they are definitely jumping on our platform because we're, we're providing a solution for them. But when it comes to supporting human capital development in general, I don't think the private sector is doing a good job at that. They're really, really not even doing anything, I would say. And that's a problem because they're waiting for the government to do that. And the government wouldn't do that. And the government doesn't care because at the end of the day, they're going to get their tax. But so for us to be able to, to solve the problem, for us to be able to make Nigeria work, we have to take responsibility and, and do what we have to do outside voting the right um, administration or the right leader that mm. can steer us towards the right direction. Yeah. How about uh, the involvement of the government offices and parastatals that are supposed to be supervising, providing, uh, and maybe getting involved in the training of the skilled persons across Nigeria? Uh, I'm just going to answer that really quick. They've now been very supportive. That's it. <laughs> wow. Okay. What do you think as a maybe a form of solution or a strategy that can be taken um, to maybe incentivize or encourage both the private and the public, uh, that's the government, parastatals and groups and you know the persons who are supposed to be involved in this um, enormous project. So how, how do you think we can get them on board um, to see how important this project is? I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I wish I do. Um, I felt like the competition and the event and bringing all those young people together and showcasing their skills would be one way to convince them, but I don't think that has worked. So we've done this four times. Some people have come on board. They've seen what we're doing. They've seen how amazing it is. They've left after after the first one, after the second one. I don't see any other thing that can convince them. I just think Nigerians need to focus more for, on the broader perspective and see things ahead. I said this, um, Steve Jobs said, is this Steve Jobs? I don't know if it was Steve Jobs that said it, but somebody said it. So I don't quote the wrong person. And um, we underestimate um, the, what, what can happen in 10 years and we overestimate what can happen in, in one year. And, and that's the problem. We always think of now, 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 what, what can we get now? We don't design anything for the future. We don't think about the next 10 years. We don't think about the next 20 years. We don't do that. And that's the biggest problem of Africans. And that's the reason why African is not progressing 10 years ago, 10 years now, maybe the next 10 years, because we don't prepare for that 10 years. We prepare for tomorrow, tomorrow, today, now. That's the, and the world doesn't work that way. Like it just doesn't. Like nothing was created overnight, right? So look at Dubai. They had a, they had a fifty year plan. They worked towards a fifty year plan, and look at where they are right now, right? Um, Two thousand and ten, Dubai was a, was a desert. Look at Dubai. Look at Nigeria. <laughs> if we had the same plan, we would not be there. No, we don't have plans for the future, and that's the problem. And till we start thinking of the future more than the present. Um, we will not go anywhere. We just think of today, tomorrow, like how much can we get today? What can we get right now? And it is so, and we're so selfish as, as humans too. We only think about ourselves, not the, not the collective. And so that's the natural problem, the nature, the, our, our natural problem that we have as, as Nigerians and as Africans. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it came from um, uh, insufficient resources. And so everybody's trying to, to, to take what they can take. Um, before it finishes. And, and and that's the reason why everybody thinks about yourselves alone. So, but yeah, I think definitely, I hope that people get to see and they get to understand, but I don't think there's anything I can do from my end anymore to convince anybody else. So right now I'm not looking at convincing people. I'm looking at just solving the problem the best way that I can solve it and play my part, play my role and, um, you know, do my best. And I know that I did. And I, I'm sure, I hope that my best inspire other people, other young people like me to, to take responsibility and do something.
there is a huge shortage of skilled workers such as plumbers, electricians, tilers, builders, and the list goes on. And at the same time, Nigeria has a high number of unemployed youths Technical, vocational, and education training has become critical to the upskilling of mid-level manpower. If Nigeria must survive this period and sustain the growth and development it has experienced in the past three decades, Nigeria must, as a matter of urgency, devote more effort, time, and funds to TVET. TVET is both brains and hands. The more we give attention to skills development, the more competent our youth will be. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.